Welcome to the Medical Affairs Professional Society Medical Communications Focus Area Working Group's multi-part podcast series. In this second podcast, we will continue our discussion on adapting to the virtual conference experience. I am Rafi Dekessian. I'll be the moderator for this podcast. I currently serve as a member of the Medical Communications Focus Area Working Group and am the head of Oncology Scientific Communications and Medical Information Departments for Novartis, Japan. The views expressed in this recording are those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect on the opinions of MAPS or the companies with which they are affiliated. This presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or regulatory advice. We encourage you to engage in conversations about online or virtual conference experiences with other MAPS members via the community portal on the MAPS website. Simply log in with the email address and password associated with your MAPS account and click on the discussion tab. Then scroll down to medical and scientific communications to post a question or review previous postings. The objectives of today's podcast are to understand how the in-person conference experience has changed and adapted to the virtual environment, discuss styles and formats that uniquely suit the online virtual conference experience, and consider factors for enabling networking and interaction in online virtual conferences. So let's continue. This time I'd like to welcome back our guest, Andy Saldana from the New York Technology Alliance. Welcome back, Andy. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks for joining us. Of course, of course, so, thank you for having me. So Andy, we had a really great discussion uh, last episode where we talked about uh, online conference planning and how you approach that in providing these um, solutions to uh, to uh, industry scientists and technologists, we focused a lot about uh, networking and how to kind of foster uh, networking. This time, um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about formats on uh, what kind of formats you think about in the agenda in terms of um, didactic teaching presentations, in terms of um, more like context and, and dialogue. Uh, we can continue on with uh, networking and engagement as well. Um, one comment you made last time that I'd like to just start with, you talked about certain kinds of presentations that work in the background, that you almost put on like a podcast experience. So you don't need to be on camera. You don't need to um, provide you know, live input. Um, can you talk a little bit of, about these types of talks and, you know, what kind of content is, is suited to them so that, uh, yeah, you have a little bit more of a, a background experience um, while you're attending an online virtual conference? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, a lot of those conversations uh, tend to be more um, in interview style conversations, uh, much like this one, uh, where you're talking with an expert who has uh, some viewpoints and is trying to get across uh, information in, in, a, in just a very conversational way. Um, so interview formats work really well for that kind of uh, type of event um, or session where um, the traditional 
fireside chat that you would normally go to when you're at an in-person event, um, those tend to work really well for those for those uh, types that you would then put on in the background, uh, maybe listen to while you're working or while you're you're attending to other tasks. Um, and I, you know, I like to think of them uh, very much, you know, in the in the podcast style. They translate very well to that. Um, so when you're when you're planning a conference, if you have a couple of those throughout the day, or um, you, think about the breakout sessions in some way um, that can mirror that, uh, it really does help uh, the attendees uh, absorb some of that, that, that information um, in more digestible chunks. Yeah, and, and do you try to alternate these kinds of like, whether it's an interview or a panel discussion with, you know, more um, heavier or dense content that requires more of uh, the audience's attention? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's really um, at the at the core of when you're designing a virtual experience, right? Um, you have to look at, at the, the overall uh, goal of what you're trying to accomplish. So when you're looking at uh, translating a conference online, um, you would take apart that conference and, and, and uh, Put put it into chunks, and then decide. You know, how do we deliver that content the best way possible, um, so that the most people can uh, take advantage of it? Um, and, and so, I, I imagine, you know, especially in in the medical professional arena, um, or you know, I my specialty is technology conferences. So when we would do uh, more traditional workshops in person, uh, like a you know a full day workshop on security trainings or anything like that, you know, that that's very intense uh, co content that takes a lot of focus time from the attendees and, and it takes a lot of attention. And, and so for those types of, to translate that into a virtual setting, it really, you you are going to have to have some buy-in from uh, the, the attendees that are attending virtually. So, so those do not make the best, you know, background kind of conversations. And so you do have to, to think about that when you're designing the full conference experience. And if you have uh, a, a lot of those um, in the morning, you might wanna break up the day by having a, you know, a few of those start the day and then, um, and then uh, segment them out so that um, you do have more of those general conversations uh, to break up you know, the full day the full day's attention. And so um, you can, so as a conference attendee uh, who's sitting at your desk, you know, you have the best intentions of, of putting all of your attention to the conference that you're attending, but you're also, you know, your computer is on, you're competing with your, your email. And, and so asking for that attendee's attention for more than an hour is, is probably um, asking for too much. And so <laughs> thinking through that piece mm -hmm. and really uh, designing the conference in that way uh, helps, I, I think helps uh, retain engagement throughout the day, as well as allow, allow attendees to really do the things that they have to do when they're sitting at their desk. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, you, you mentioned how in live conferences, you know, you might have a full day, very intense discussion. I mean, certainly that's the case in, for medical conferences where, you know, you may have back-to-back -back clinical or preclinical data presentations. Is it even possible to have a full day virtual conference experience or is it absolutely not advised uh, because it's just not realistic given the experience? 
I, I just, um, I, I think that a lot of uh, conference organizers, organizers try uh, that have the best intentions when they're when they're when they're formatting a structure like that. But I, I just don't think it's very realistic, especially you know with everyone being at home and the distractions of just normal life uh, interfering. Um, and so, as much as you prepare yourself um, to you know sequester yourself into your room or or your office or your home office and you have every intention of sitting there and paying all of the attention to what's being presented. I don't think it's really um, going to happen in the current situation uh, in, in the way that we think. So uh, I think it's, uh, a, a, if, if we as conference organizers think about that and, and, and take into account everything that's happening um, for the people who are attending, uh, we can plan better conferences. And, and you know, a piece of that is, is understanding that, you know, everybody's attention for a full day is a lot to ask. And I, I'm sure that there are some people that can do that, but doing that for more than three or four hours at a time is, is uh, quite a heavy lift. Sure. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you're in the same seat. You're not moving around. There isn't that live stimulus. I mean, in many ways, it, it feels like to me, and I'm curious if you agree, that, you know, we're in our a kind of adolescence for the virtual conference experience. We're just starting to kind of learn as a society about it. Even before the pandemic, I, w I was reading a statistic from um, the Professional Convention Management Association. So they, they plan a lot of industry events. They were saying that something like three quarters of planners want to start to go virtual. This is a a 2020 study that they had. Um, so of course now the pandemic's happened. I would say we fast forwarded many years on on that trend, but the capabilities um, still aren't there yet. And and there's a lot of exploration and experimentation. Is that something that you're seeing uh, um, when you provide solutions to to your clients? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think. Um, uh, I, I'm, again, uh, in the technology space, so I was already seeing a lot of platforms uh, pop up that were very focused on providing that, that virtual experience to more people. So taking, creating that hybrid model um, and, and moving it forward uh, to, to disseminate that, that same information that you, you're experiencing in person to a larger audience at a cheaper price point. And, and so I think that a lot of those tools were already starting to, to pop up and uh, the conversation was moving into that, that what is the hybrid model look like? Um, and so I think you're right, it just got accelerated um, uh, in 2020 due to the, the, uh, uh, the pandemic. And so, you know, when we're looking at how that's moving beyond, you know, once we get into recovery and start moving back into in-person events, I, I think that these hybrid types of events are going to, are here to stay. And um, it's going to be really interesting uh, seeing the tools that pop up that ca can help facilitate uh, those connections in, in a in a in a multi-layered kind of way uh, to many many different audiences all at the same time, and, and I think that that's you know we were already seeing that trend and we'll continue to see that trend forward. You know, one of the other types of formats you talked about in our first discussion was this like simu live, where you mentioned having a mix of kind of pre-recorded content, you know, followed quickly by a live um, a live component where that presenter is then, you know, available to answer questions or provide maybe some follow-up. 
where do you see that particular kind of format fitting in and, and what is the benefit of approaching certain parts of the agenda that way? Yeah, so um, I, I think that's it's a really interesting concept. The first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh, this is is intriguing," um, but it, it's really uh, providing um, the reason that that I, I feel strongly about moving conferences into that direction is because it's a mix of of things you cannot miss. So um, if you think of it about it like a TV model and and live television, um, you know if you schedule keynotes or plenary sessions that are, are are set and streamed live, that's kind of like the football game, right? And, and so it's something that can't be missed. It's something that's gonna happen and you're, you're building excitement and engagement around that event. Um, but then if you also supplement the rest of the conference day with these pre-recorded short, short sessions that are very, um, you know, direct in, in what the content is that they're trying to deliver. Um, it doesn't matter when that attendee watches it. Uh, it's not, the content isn't, isn't impacted by, um, you know, by how it's being absorbed. Um, that that uh, lends itself to allowing more people to take advantage of these pre-recorded sessions. And, and so it's a, it's a really fantastic way to, to mix that, that I can't miss the, this conference at, at this time during this day with, I'm also mm -hmm. getting this full library of amazing content at the same time. And so it just it increases the value of the overall conference experience um, while um, again, providing that, that FOMO piece uh, that a lot of conference organizers are looking for. And a lot of, um, and you know, also allows that, that point to bring attendees together around that common experience. And it probably makes for some tighter presentations too. If you have that opportunity to pre-record it, you know there there's the opportunity for the presenter to do multiple takes and um, really get the the key points that they want to convey, so they don't overlook any uh, any point they wanted to make during the talk. Absolutely, and depending on you know the resources that are available, it also allows for for the conference organizers to then review and provide uh, opportunities for edits and, and revisions um, so that those, uh, that the, so that the content that's being provided is, is you know, the abso absolute best. Um, I was speaking at this one tech conference um, in October of this last year, and I pre-recorded my session. It was a 15 minute conversation and you know it took me about an hour and a half to to record and get things right but I, I have to say it was one of the best talks that I felt um, that I felt very confident in delivering it it, it was just exactly as you said it, it provided me the opportunity to fine-tune change the way that I was presenting maybe work through some of the slides that weren't quite hitting um, as I watched them back so it really does provide that opportunity for presenters. Great. Thanks so much for joining us again, Andy. Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure. So this concludes the second podcast in the series on adapting to the virtual conference experience. Again, I would like to thank our guest, Andy Saldana from the New York Technology Alliance for joining us on this thought-provoking discussion. If you are a MAPS member, thank you for your support of MAPS. If you're not yet a MAPS member and would like to access additional resources in this area, please visit the MAPS website to explore joining today at medicalaffairs.org forward slash membership. This concludes today's episode. Thank you for listening.